All right, let's uh, open to Proverbs chapter 13, and we'll pick up in the 21st verse. And Proverbs is something we were going through on Wednesday nights together with the family. I didn't mind so much not preparing when it's just my family. And so I was wanted to read ahead today, and I felt the Lord saying, no, don't read ahead. <laughs> so read it together, and we'll let him speak, and we know he will. But Proverbs 13, verse 21, is where we'll pick it up. Does anyone remember who wrote Proverbs, mostly? Solomon. Solomon, right? A couple other guys, too, right? And who was Solomon's dad? David. King David, right? Who was his mom? Uh, Bathsheba. 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 Bathsheba was a, a city. That's good, though. Cool. So... We'll start off here. Proverbs 13, 21. It says, Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good will be repaid. You know, the world has the ideas about karma. You do good, and good happens to you. You do bad, bad happens to you. It doesn't quite happen that way. The Bible's clear that good happens to both the bad and the good. But I think what Solomon's saying here is that you can't get away from your sin. It's always going to catch up to you. It's always going to come after you. And if you do good things, well, eventually you'll be repaid. It may not be on this earth, but God will repay you. You think you can outborrow God? You can't. It says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And that's kind of tough to think about. I could barely lay up savings for myself, but the Bible is telling me to lay up savings for my kids and to lay up stuff for my grandkids. Even if my kids never think they'll get married, I still should prepare for them and their grandchildren. And, uh, and that's, I think about that a lot. I'm sure you guys do too, especially with the housing market. I think about how we bought a house and the Lord opened up the door for us to buy a house. And I don't know that we'd be able to buy a house now, right? Just with the interest rates and the cost of things. Um, it's crazy. And the way the economy's going. And I think about my kids the things that they're going to face and the value of the dollar and what could happen in the next 10, 20 years. So I encourage them in things to start a business or, uh, you know, obviously follow the Lord. But how important it is that we have things to give to our children. And even then, you know, to get spiritual about it, it's not just the physical. It is the spiritual. If you remember Paul and Timothy, uh, Timothy, Paul said that you have the faith of your mother and your grandmother. It doesn't say his father. We don't know what happened in Timothy's father. He was somewhere. Um, you know, maybe he died. Maybe he left. Maybe he was an unbeliever. Maybe he was a believer. We don't know. But he had the faith of his mom and his grandma. That the legacy that Timothy's parents gave to him, or his mom and grandma gave to him, was faith. And how important that is. There's things I remember my mom teaching me when I was little that she instilled in me that even though I walked away from the Lord, God used to bring me back to him. Even though I went my own way, God used to give me an eternal inheritance. The things that she sowed in my life that she probably thought would were wasted and gone, God didn't allow them to be gone. And more than that, the things that we buy in this world, they fade, right? I've got that expensive Audi convertible outside. Uh, <laughs> you know, I probably paid too much for it. Even at $1,500, it was probably way too much for it. But someone 30 years ago, Probably paid $30,000 for it. And that's 1990 $30,000 money, right? Yeah. 
But today, nobody wants it. I could probably sell it next year and hopefully get my money back. I better get my, at least my money back. But nobody wants it. The things that were fancy yesterday are not fancy today. And again, it's not wrong to have them, especially if God's blessed you. But know that they fade. Know that they go away. Know that someone will steal them. I leave that car unlocked. I'm not worried about anyone stealing it, right? But other things we lock up. We don't want them to be stolen. But ultimately, as believers, we know that everything in this world is going to burn. And even then, as my pastor used to say, you can't take a U-Haul with you, right? There's no U-Hauls at the gravesite. When you die, that's it. Your stuff goes to somebody else. And so the ultimate inheritance that we should pass on to our children and our grandchildren is faith, is the things of God, is hey, come to know Jesus that you would have an eternal inheritance, something that lasts forever. But he says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, that eventually then the sinner will die and all his wealth will go away and hopefully it will trickle down uh, to the righteous. But much food is in the tillage of the poor, but for lack of justice it is destroyed. And the other day, uh, Pastor Caleb at Capstone was talking, was it him or was it somebody else? Well, who was I talking to? I can't remember. But somebody was talking about, oh yeah, it was him, because he was talking about when he worked at Costco, right? And you guys remember that? And he worked, uh, I guess, bringing the food in and out, and how much fresh food that they would get rid of every morning, because some of it had gone bad, and obviously it would spread to the rest of it. Uh, and just how much food we waste in this country, and how much of a blessing it is. Just to be able to go and buy apples as we go buy apples or bananas. But how much we don't see behind the scenes that just gets thrown out that we have such a blessing and yet somehow there's still people in this country that don't have enough to eat or in Africa as well, right? We, what's that favorite saying at dinner time with the kids? There's starving kids in Africa. Finish your plate of food. I mean, if you don't finish it, does it really help anybody in Africa? Not really. But the point is not to take it for granted. Um, and it's, uh, Jesus said you will always have the poor with you right? That the poor are always be here. There's always going to be poor. And part of it is just because of the way the world works. Things are broken and people get taken advantage of. But then also people can be lazy. And a lot of times people are poor for reasons of their own fault. And a lot of times people are poor for reasons of not their own fault. And again, not that being poor is wrong, but man, uh, there's not much there. And it's sad to see someone going through a trash can for food uh, but for lack of justice, it's destroyed. You know, you talk, hear about sending aid to other countries uh, with dictators, and the dictators take all the money. The dictators take all the food, and they live high and mighty off of it, but the people who need it don't get it. So take care of the poor. But he who spares his rod hates his son, and he who loves him disciplines him early. And... I can remember not being disciplined early. I can remember getting in trouble as a kid. And my mom, she'd be like, I'm going to tell your dad when he gets home. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't tell dad. <laughs> Last thing in the world, please, don't, don't tell dad. I'll do whatever you say. Just don't tell dad. That's what happens to me sometimes. I bet, I bet it does. <laughs> you and me must be a lot alike, my friend. Uh, so am I. Or no, the other but Solomon says, <laughs> yeah. Solomon says, he who spares his rod hates his son. And we think it's the opposite. We think that if I don't spank them, I don't discipline them, I don't ground them, I don't tell them that's wrong, that that's loving them. That's the way our world is gone. Said, well, I can't tell them not to do that. I can't tell them to not dress like that or act like that or speak like that. 
we've kind of swung this opposite way thinking that it's loving. And in fact, it's not. I think there's another verse in the Bible that says that uh, he, hates, he hates his child. That loving your child means disciplining. It doesn't mean to, to beat them or abuse them or, you know, crush their spirit. The Bible talks definitely talks about not crushing their spirit, not driving them those ways. But that if we love our children, we will discipline them. And, and it says early, quickly, that we don't let them get away with it for a long time because the longer we let them get away with it, the longer, the longer, further down the path they're going to go. The worst things they're going to do. The, uh, you know, there's been times when the kids haven't listened and we'll tell them not to do something and then they still do it and they still do it and they still do it. You know, it's like to repeat yourself as a parent, how much fun that is. But to discipline them early, not to let them get farther down the path of destruction, not to let them get in that habit of being disobedient. Why? Because we want the best for them. We don't discipline them to be mean to them. Sometimes out of anger, you might, we might, and we have to repent. And I've apologized to my kids on plenty of occasions for, not for disciplining them, but for the way I discipline them. But we love them. We should love our children. We should correct them. And why the Bible says that God loves us and God disciplines whom he loves, it says elsewhere in the scripture. So if God's hand is on us, not allowing us to do something or taking something away from us, so to speak, allowing something to fall through that we were really counting on. Well, he does it because he loves us. I can remember back when, and I'll tell a story with you guys. I can remember back when Ashley and I, uh, I would call it dating, but it, it wasn't dating because I knew I was going to marry her one day, but it wasn't courting because it wasn't like chaperoned and religious and official, but it was with a purpose, but I remember the Lord had told me to wait to date her, but gosh darn it, I can't wait, <laughs> right? And I remember going over her house and her parents were there and coming back and I knew that I should have been doing something else that night and just waited and I hit a deer on the way home. <laughs> and, you know, you hit a deer. It's not always because you're sinning. It's not necessarily that I was like doing something wrong with her, but God told me to wait and I didn't wait. And he said, okay. Here's a deer. Let me. And there were other things like that in my life when I knew that God was telling me to do something or to wait on something. And it's not that God was trying to hurt me, but he was just trying to get my attention. Like, look, there's something better I have for you. And, and I don't want you to read too much into that and think that anytime something goes wrong, it's because we're doing something wrong. But God disciplines us because he does it early that we might not waste time. We might not miss out on the good things. It's not that he wants to be quick to hurt us, but that we would be quick to get on the right path. Verse 25 says, The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked will want. And I'll tell you that, you know, there's been times I've been with and times I've been without, uh, both with the Lord and without the Lord. And I can tell you that when I'm following the Lord, the money goes further. When I'm spending time with the Lord, the bills don't seem to pile up as much. Or if they do, maybe I'm not so worried about them. But the bills are more responsible bills than they are, you know, uh, going out and buying frivolous things or toys or wasting my money on stuff. Um, I can remember making a decent amount of money after becoming, or before I became a Christian, and I don't know where it all went. I don't know how I couldn't even pay my mom rent barely. Uh, and other times after coming to the Lord, not knowing how I can do it. And now I have five kids, and yet somehow stuff is made, ends are made. Wealth is built. I'm not wealthy, but I'm not lacking. 
And that's what happens when we follow the Lord. When we do the right thing, uh, even those who follow the ordinances of the Scripture don't steal things of that, principles in the Bible, right, to give and to be generous, right? Their lives are blessed. They don't have to know the Lord, but just that, it's like that law of gravity, like that law of 2 plus 2 equals 4. It's the same thing. You do the right thing, and there is blessing in it. The stomach of the wicked will want, remember the, one more thing on this verse, the, the prodigal son, right? Remember, he had everything with his father, and he asked for his inheritance, and he ran away to live a wicked lifestyle, and he spent all his inheritance, and what happened? He ended up eating with pig slop, and his stomach was hungry. He said, if I go home, my dad's servants have it better than this. Let me go home and just work for my dad. Maybe he won't, he'll just let me do that. But his dad, what, welcomed him home. Verse 14, every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. And the world today would make fun of a woman who wants to stay home and build a home, who wants to stay home and take care of her children. They say, uh, I love those memes where it's like, Somehow it's shameful to stay home and serve your husband and kids, but it's glorious to go serve some company and a CEO, right? Like, what is really better? What is really more glorious? And the fact that I work, so my wife doesn't have to work. Who's really got the better end of the stick there, right? I think my wife, in many ways, has the better end of the deal. Uh, except for me, I'm probably the short end of the stick. But it says the foolish pulls it down with their hands. And how many women today pull, things, pull it down with their hands? would rather destroy their own home than, than stop going the way that they want to go. That goes for men too. Men who don't want to be home, men who don't want to be around their kids, men who would rather be out living their own life and abandoning their children instead of building their own home. Um, it's important as, as believers that we allow the Lord to use us in these ways that the world might call shameful or backwards, uh, but are not. He who walks in uprightness fears the Lord, and he who is perverse in his ways despises him. You could tell when someone hates the Lord, it's because, well, they're perverse. They love, the Bible says that they, they would have they would have come to him if they didn't love their sins so much. Um, and you can tell if someone's walking with the Lord or wants to walk with the Lord, they respect the things of God. It doesn't matter if they call themselves a Christian or not. And the same thing for those who call themselves a Christian. You can tell if they want to know the things of the Lord or not. They are respectful during prayer, respectful during Bible study. That's what always got me. Even, maybe this is part of that, like my mom instilling faith in me as a kid, but I can remember even when I was walking in my own ways, and sure, that was in a sense disrespecting the Lord, but if I ever like went around a church or someone brought up the Bible or anything, even though I knew I was sinning and away from God and I wasn't ready to turn yet, I still didn't make fun of it. I mean, I, well, there's times when I did. I made fun of a kid in high school. I persecuted him. But when I started to seek the Lord, even though I was off in my own ways, I respected it. I wouldn't be talking during prayer, talking during worship. And then you'll see sometimes people in church who are like that. And you just go, I just... I don't get why you're here if you're not going to respect it. Like, why? what are you going to do? No one's making you come here. Why are you here? Oh, where are we? Uh, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. And again, man, a fool tends to be prideful and will just keep talking and talking. And even when he doesn't know what he's talking about, in the lips of the wise, they preserve the words. They hang on to them. 
you know, it's been said that, uh, I think Pastor Kev was even saying Sunday that it, wisdom is listening. Sometimes it takes listening to prove how wise you are. That's probably good marriage advice too, right? But where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Um, you know, if you got a workshop and you got all your tools and it's never a mess, well, you're probably never using it. Um, you know, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's proof. When you're doing the work, it's proof. And it's, uh, it's obvious when it's being done. But you have to work. Much increase comes by the strength of the ox. It doesn't just happen. You know, just because you have the tools at your disposal, just because you have the opportunity, doesn't mean that those things are going to come together. And I think people expect that today. They expect stuff to just fall in their lap without putting in the labor for it. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. And we look at the world, they're like, oh, you don't pay us enough to work at McDonald's. And now that McDonald's pays $17 an hour, all their labor shortages are gone. There's people out the door signing up to work. <laughs> no. Even though they pay $17 an hour, no one's showing up to work there because they don't want to work. It's not about the money. They don't want to, I mean, granted, I'd rather make $17 an hour than eight fifty. But it's proof that the problem is the heart more so than the wallet. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. And how important it is that we are faithful. A scorn, and man, just with all the things going on in politics these days and all the trials and grand juries, um, I don't know that you're going to find a faithful witness anywhere these days. A scorner seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. You know, that there's people out there who say they're seeking the truth. Uh, the Bible would say that they are continually learning, but they never come to it. Um, and it's sad because it's right there in front of them. We were watching a video yesterday on um, the cell and these little, basically, machines that go along in them. And I won't bore you with trying to figure out how to explain it. But these little molecular machines that know where to go somehow talk to each other, are self-guided, um, obstacle avoidance, they work together, uh, they hand things off. Uh, basically, one, one part of the cell is a factory, another part of the cell has the, the information, and they talk to each other, and they make them, and then these guys are like UPS, and they come and pick up the parts and bring them around the cell. And people look at that and go, oh, that just happened. Oh, that was just evolved. And it's... It's willfully ignorant, the Bible says. But someone um, who seeks knowledge, it's easy to him who understands. It just makes sense. I wish I was like that in school. There's things that were easy to understand, and I wish I didn't take it for granted back in the day. Uh, but go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Sometimes it's easy to just, it's hard to know when to end a conversation with someone who's foolish. And this is kind of your way out. When you realize that this person is just a fool and they're babbling, and if that's me tonight, just get up and walk out. But uh, go from the presence of a foolish man when you realize that they are foolish. It's just a waste of your time. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. You know that to be wise is to understand where you're going. I think it's James talks about that we should walk circumspectly. And the, the thought there is almost as if you're walking through a minefield. That we can't just expect to go through life and not have problems. We can't expect to go through life and not have to analyze things and look around and 
and trying to understand our own way. Even as believers, uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, you can't tell where someone's coming and someone's going who's led by the Spirit, just like you can't tell where the wind has been and where it's going just by looking at it. But as believers, it would be foolish for us to not consider our paths, to not consider what's the right way to go, because there's a lot of times we think it's the right thing to do and it's not the right thing to do. A lot of times you might think that's what the Lord has for you, but it's not what He has for you. When you seek Him, He'll show you otherwise. I can remember when there were certain things going on in the church and um, certain people were upset, and so they were leaving. This is back in New York. And I remember praying, like, Lord, like, what do we do? Should we go? Should we stay? And I thought the Lord led us to stay. But the, he kind of gave me this picture that where I was was on this cliff and a tiny little path along the cliff. And I had to walk very carefully, tread very carefully, but I wasn't to turn around. I was to stay there and keep going on it. And there's other times when I thought that, oh man, it's definitely time for me to go. And I'd pray and God would say, stay. Or there's times definitely when I wanted to stay and God would say, go or I would have advice one way or the other and it was it's one of those things that you can't you can't figure out by practical means you really have to seek the Lord on what it is to do and as believers we should do that more so than the world the world just does whatever it wants we have a higher purpose higher calling and more than that we can't always see the danger in front of us you know every time a helicopter flies over at night I go to Ash I go I want to get night vision <laughs> like if they ever land I want to be able to see them yeah right they would <laughs> I would lose but at least I would lose with cool night vision. Um, maybe if I sell the Audi, I'd never know. I'd have to sell like 10 of them. But sincerely, that's, that's what being wise is, is understanding your way. And we really can't understand our way unless we know God's way. Because the Bible says that uh, the way of a man is right in his own eyes. right? And it says that the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. And unless we know God's will and basic will, God's basic will and design for things, we're not going to understand what wisdom is. And more than that, if we don't understand God's will for us personally and our lives, we're going to miss out. At the very least, we miss out on a lot of good. At the very worst, we end up in awful places, in prison to relationships and to sin and to debt and all other things that can take over us. And, and we see that's what the, what the world's on. The world's thrown out God's way and said, we're going to do it our own way, and it's led to utter and complete confusion and chaos and women and men tearing down their homes and tearing up their children and tearing up society. But fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. And it's easy to tell what kind of company you should have around you. Not that we shouldn't be friends with people or reach out to people in the world. That's part of what we should do. But, you know, the Bible says that uh, bad company corrupts good morals. And if, I'm sure if any of us could think back to high school, it's really easy to remember the days when bad company would corrupt good morals. And I'm sure a lot of parents thought that I was the bad company corrupting the good morals of their children. God bless you. And that's probably a good litmus, litmus test for the people that are around us that man do they make do they make sin something fun to do or do they give us favor because we're righteous there's people in my life that show me a lot of favor who are not Christians who probably do unrighteous things um, definitely do but 
there's something about them that is open to the gospel, open to the things of God. And for that, I wouldn't forsake them. But there's other people that I know that, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them, be friends with them, but I'm not going to get too close to them because I know that they're not a good company to be around. And we need to make hard decisions like that in life. We can't just be friends with everybody. We, even if we could, we don't have enough time for it. And that's part of our problem in our society too. We think that, and I think even church too, that we can just have Sunday friends and we're really supposed to go through life together. And if we're going to have only a few people that we can really get to know, we should get to know the right people. The heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. Sometimes when you're really bothered by something, you know, someone might say to you, well, I understand. And you go, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> because we know our own bitterness. We know our own problems. But a stranger does not share its joys. How, how often are we overjoyed when someone wins the lottery? When a stranger wins the lottery? I mean, we kind of get overjoyed on Price is Right, someone wins. But to be honest, most strangers don't care if you win. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Again, this principle that, man, it's not about having a lot in life. It's not about having things. It's going to be overthrown. You're going to lose it. That you can go through life with just a tent, and it will flourish. You know, they've done studies on people who give, who are generous, and most of the time the most generous are those who don't have a lot. The most friendly people could even be those who don't have a lot. They know what it's like. And they want to share. There is a way that seems right to a man. This is similar to what we said before. But its end is the way of death. I don't know if you remember The Matrix, but in the movie, they come to get him and get him out of The Matrix, and they show him the, the truth, and then he's given an opportunity to go back, and he opens the car door, and I'm probably getting the scenes out of order, uh, but one of the people in the car who's trying to get him out of The Matrix says to him, you've been down that road, Neo, you know what's down that way. And there's many ways that might seem right to us that we've maybe even gone down before maybe we even went down in our past and we look longingly at those old ways and want to go back to those old ways because things aren't going so well right now in this way but it's not the right way that jesus said the way is narrow that leads to life and few there are that find it there's a lot of people who go through life thinking they're on the right way, but it's death. Jesus says even to some that, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're like, Lord, we did all this stuff even in your name. They even did stuff in Jesus' name and they didn't know him. And it's death. That's kind of what I was talking about before in Romans that you talked about with the kids that The Bible describes a lot of the things of the Old Testament as a shadow of things to come. That the sacrificial system, the temple, the holidays, the feast days, the law even, was a shadow of things to come. But that 
Christ is the fulfillment of them. And that's what we were talking about, that one man esteems one day better than the other, but Jesus said that um, there comes a day when we'll worship him in spirit and truth. The fact that there's a lot of people who go through life going through the motions. I'll go to church, I'll do the right thing, I'll even read my Bible, I'll sing the songs, I'll serve, but there's something missing. There's something absent there. There's a life that's missing, and, and they don't quite know what it is, maybe. Because it's not about just going through the motions. It's not about doing a way that seems right, a religion. It's about actually knowing God. And that's the point of the Scripture. He says you come to the Scriptures and you search them, but you've missed what they're about. That Jesus doesn't want us to know Scripture for Scripture's sake. Yeah, it's good to know. It'll help us. But if we come to the Bible and we don't meet Jesus in it, he'd almost rather us not come. What he say in Revelation? He says, I'd rather you are hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And I'm going to spit you out. Vomit you out. There was a bottle of hot water in Ashley's van, and I wasn't about to drink that. <laughs> That's not lukewarm. I, don't, I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, if I was really thirsty in the desert, would I drink hot water? Would that be bad? <laughs> you know, you'd probably drink the hot water. But there's so many ways that seem right to us and there's some of them are really close to the mark, but they're missing them. Is that when Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, he is the way to go. He's the truth. He's the answer. He's the life. And if we're just going through the motions, maybe it's better than being out in the world. Our lives won't be as trash, but we're really just as empty. That God, I use this example with the kids as we close here. When I'm away, we like to video chat. And that's as close as we can get when I'm away is video chatting. Or texting, or a phone call, or in the old days a letter. And that was great. But when I'm home, would they just want to video chat with me? No, they'd want to be close to me because, and I want to be close to them because we love each other. We care about each other. We want to be there for each other. And at least in a healthy relationship, maybe when they're teenagers, they like, whatever, Dad. <laughs> I hope not. Nope. But that's the same thing with the Lord, is that sometimes we just, we go after the shadow. We say, well, Sunday's the only day I can worship. Sunday's the most important day of the week. And it is important. I'm not saying to not value Sunday. It is. It's the day we remember Jesus rose. But we can remember, we can treat each day alike. Every day can be Sunday to us if we have Jesus. Every day can be communion or Easter or Christmas to us because we don't have to wait for that day to worship him. We can worship him right now because that veil has been torn. That when we come to the scripture, we can expect him to speak to us because that's the whole point of it. The whole point of the Bible is that we would know God and we would know him personally. And I was praying about something recently and reading through the, the Bible, you know, here and there. And there were some verses that ministered to me, but part of me was like, ah, that's not really for me. You know, God can't really be speaking that to me. And then I feel like the Lord reminded me that, yeah, that's why it's all there. That if we're willing to accept it, that entire book is written to you. 
that if you were the only person on earth, that's why Jesus died. He still would have come and died for you and for me. And I think we are afraid of that or don't believe that or think because of our sin that that's somehow not true. But those are all lies. And so just like the Israelites who would only go to the bottom of the mountain and say, Moses, you go up there. We, don't, we can't get close to God, even though God came down to the mountain to them. They were unwilling to go because they didn't really know the heart of God. They didn't know that his heart was for them to save them, to rescue them. And like Jesus said in the parable, you know, do you think I'm a hard man? That every word in this book is for us if we would accept it. That every opportunity in life for us to step out in faith is there because God wants us to take it. Not so that we can do something for him. Not so that we can build a cathedral or make his name known even, so to speak. Because I don't think, and hear me out on this as we close, I don't think that God would care if you made his name known if he didn't know you. He said, depart from me, you wicked servant. I never knew you, even though they did these things in Jesus' name, and maybe other people came to him. But his point is, is that he wants every person. And he wants you and he wants me to know him in a way that's unlike any other relationship on earth. It's not based on position. It's not based on status. It's not based on what you bring to the table. It's not based on when it's appropriate or inappropriate. Every time is appropriate to be with Jesus. And there's, if we're willing to come to him, like the song said, the more I come to you, the more I seek you, the more I want you. The more I know you. I'm butchering the lyrics, but it doesn't matter. The more I love you, because we know that we, we find out that he does love us. And that he doesn't stop loving us. And I hope that as we spend a little bit of time in Proverbs tonight, that, that you know that God loves you. That I, I don't want you to take away any wise saying out of the Bible. I don't want you to remember anything that was said or even any verse that was read necessarily other than to know that God absolutely loves you. And that however everything worked out to be here tonight, tired or not, or last minute or not, God worked it out because he wants us to know that he loves us with an absolute love and that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how close or far we felt from him lately, that he's still right there and he still wants the best for you and that all that stuff can go away and that he's got a better life than any of us could ever ask, think, or imagine for us. And, and I just want to encourage you to, to follow him, to, like the, the Bible Proverbs said, to analyze our way, to consider, is, am I doing what I should be doing. And not for doing its sake, but because God says, I've got a better way for you to go in life. Not out of religion, but out of relationship. I've got a better place for you to be where you'll be happier, you'll be more joyful, you'll have an abundant life. And so God, as we close here, God, I thank you for the opportunity to share tonight. And I pray that you use just something out of it. I know that, God, you can work and move and um, and maybe even if you didn't want me to share Proverbs, God, that just to share that you love us, God, that I can't express it. But it's true, and, and I can't 
force it down our throats and make us understand it. But God, I pray that you would help us understand it. You would help us know you. That we would know that we can understand your love. It's beyond finding out. That God, you love us so much that you would die for us and come again for us. And that God, that when our days are done, God, you want us to have a big inheritance. When we die and stand before you, you want to bless us with all of heaven's blessings. Not for a materialistic sake, but because you're a good God who loves us and you're our dad and you've ordained wonderful things for us. And most of that is just knowing you better. That when we get to heaven, you want every opportunity for us to know you completely. And not that we won't, but that our cup would be huge in heaven that you could keep pouring it up. Whether we have a thimble or a giant mug from Iowa 80 that's 64 ounces in heaven, you want to be able to fill it up. And, and God, every day we miss out on those opportunities to be filled up. God, forgive us. God, show us that it's not about doing, but it's just about coming to you. That, God, you just want us near you, like John. It's not about us loving you. It's about you loving us. God, we get it backwards. We get it twisted, as they say. God, you love us. It's not about our love for you. It's about your love for us. So, God, help us to just get a glimpse of you in that and to hear you in that. As we read, as we go home, as we go to work, as we go to baseball, God, would you remind us that you love us and show us that, man, there's a better way and that you are that way. It's not about us walking. It's about us walking with you. God, show us, we pray, by your Spirit. It's only you can. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So may God bless you and keep you, His face shine upon you. And may you really know that He loves you this week. Right, Alicia? Amen. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. Troubles left behind the door We drink first light until